Welcome to the MHB Podcast. This is Michael Bond. Okay, so something different, and I think very exciting, for you today. In this episode, I'm bringing you a conversation. If you are a listener of the podcast, you know that all of my episodes are more like solo audio essays. I love that format, and I'm going to continue putting out those episodes, but I also want to add in these conversations. I create a lot of podcast content, which never gets released to the MHB audience, and I'd like for that to change. I don't want you to miss out on what I believe are very productive discussions. So in addition to my normal work, I'm going to start publishing these conversations. I'm not going to tag them with an MHB episode number. That way you can easily distinguish between which episodes are just me and which episodes are conversations. The first ones I'm going to publish were recorded quite some time ago, so I apologize for the less-than-excellent audio quality. The conversations I've been having lately, which I will also upload, more closely match the quality you've come to expect from this podcast. In this episode, I'm speaking with Kendall Kersey, Julia Buggy, and Caleb Fugate. Kendall is the young adults pastor at Summit Church. Julia, at the time of this conversation, was a ministry resident. Caleb Fugate is a pastor in the United Methodist Church. We talk about ways to promote unity and self-sacrificial love in our communities. You will hear a diverse range of perspectives, and I think you'll come away from this episode with some measure of enlightenment. My guests in this episode are all part of the organization called United. So if you enjoy the discussion, I urge you to learn more by visiting unitediup.com. So without further delay, I bring you Kendall Kersey, Julia Buggy, and Caleb Fugate. We're going to pick up where we left off last week, and that was in Colossians 3, verse 14. Uh, last week, we were talking about being united and what are some of the hurdles that we see uh, culturally? What are some of the hurdles that we see uh, in the church to make it difficult for us to be united, to stay united, uh, and really to love one another? So let's go ahead, read Colossians 3, verse 14. And this is out of the Amplified Version. It says this, Beyond all these things, put on and wrap yourselves in unselfish love, which is the perfect bond of unity. For everything is bound together in agreement when each one seeks the best for others. And the conversation that we want to have today is how exactly do we do that? How exactly, practically, uh, how do we apply this? How are we seeking the best for others? What are some real tangible ways that you and I, you listening to this podcast, the guy sitting here at this table, what are some things that we can be doing to unselfishly love to perfectly bond in unity, and to seek the best for others. Okay, so when I think about self-sacrificial love, there's sort of two elements to it, at least two elements to it. You can think of being forgiving and having patience because we're working with flawed people and we ourselves are flawed people. And so one of the things we discussed last night at United was everybody love everybody. And that's really easy to do until there's a conflict of interest until something that you want interferes with something that somebody else wants and you're in charge of loving that person while also seeking the thing that you're after. And that's where the, the, the there's there's almost like a whole bunch of little crucifixions involved in everybody loves everybody because you're going to run into moments where you need to sacrifice, where you need to be the one who takes the hit, who doesn't get what you want because you're trying to love your neighbor. And I think that's really important. 
Yeah. Yeah. What do you think, Julia? What do you think on that? On the self-sacrificial love or just loving in general? Well, I mean, self-sacrificial, like how, how exactly do we, I mean, what Michael said, how do we love everybody, even when it comes to the fact that we might not be getting what we want out of the deal? Um, oh boy. Yeah. It's so human to want to get something out of it. I mean, every time you have a conversation with somebody or a deal, like we work off of negotiations and business and transactional things. But, um, man, one of the biggest things that I have stumbled upon is like, so we live in a culture right now where like, um, your self-truth is the truth that you follow. And it's so hard to be able to find that fine line as Christians where we love people well by telling them God's truth and also have that um, mercy and grace and compassion and to be able to come to those friends that we might be really close to. And I sometimes struggle. Um, we were talking about the, the other day up in the loft about being uh, an apostle or a shepherd or a teacher. And I have a shepherding um, mindset where I can like take in, take in, take in and like listen and give mercy and like not be that good biblical friend that speaks truth and holds people accountable because I'm so like sympathetic and empathetic. So like, truthfully, I'm not doing myself a good service loving in that way because like enemies of people and people that aren't Christians can validate people's feelings and like can tell each other like, hey, I see like, yeah, that is hard or like, oh, yeah, I see what you're going through. But like, I truthfully need to love others well better by um, saying that uncomfortable thing, having that hard conversation and like stepping out of my comfort zone for the sake of bringing God's kingdom forward. Yeah, that's good. Um, you know, Caleb, you're a pastor, so you have all the answers. Um, so <laughs> um, let me ask you that question, because that actually is something that I thought about last night, um, as I was speaking about being united under Jesus and I was like, man, I just don't have time to get into that. Uh, nor do I really know where to start, but let's maybe have this conversation is you brought up a great point, Julia, is that sometimes loving everybody means you've got to tell them the truth, you know, and you've got to tell them the hard truth sometimes. So how there's been a, a movement, uh, for many years, uh, for a long time, probably since the beginning of the church where the church, uh, tells the truth um, without any kind of grace whatsoever. And is just like, you know, uh, turn or burn uh, <laughs> kind of mindset, right? And that's not really loving people no. to the fullest. That's that's half of it. But Jesus is 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 truth and grace, right? Grace and truth. And so how do we how do we love in that way? Um, you know, being able to step out and speak truth to people, but yet doing that in love, grace and truth. Right. So one of the things that I um, see happen often is truth is spoken outside of any context whatsoever, right? Like we just speak truth out into like a void, so to speak. And people do this all the time. They're speaking truth. I'm, you can't see this, but I'm air quoting it. <laughs> speaking truth onto like social media platforms, right? And then mm -hmm. just expect people to accept it, right? And there's no relationship. There's no nothing. So anytime that I see um, and I, you know, I'm no holder of all truths on this, but anytime I see Jesus have conversations with people outside of, let's say the Sermon on the Mount when he's preaching to like 5,000 people, um, in change, a little bit more in climber. Um, <laughs> um, Do you think he counted the cows and chickens there? He might have. <laughs> if he was in climber, he would have had to. Yeah. Um, yeah, Jesus always does it within like relationships. So, you know, this last week I was, I was talking about Matthew. Um, Matthew chapter 16 has this moment where Jesus is asking the disciples, 
who do you say that I am? Or who do people say that I am? And some say that he's a prophet. Some say that he's Elijah. Some say that, you know, and he goes through the list and then he asks, who do you say that I am? Right. And Peter speaks up and like the first time in 16 chapters, Peter gets it right. Right. He says, you are the Messiah, the son of God. And Jesus says, blessed are you because God has given you faith. Right. And then 45 seconds later, like six lines down, um, Jesus is saying, hey, by the way, I got to go die. And Peter's like, no, you don't. Are you kidding me? That's not right. And Jesus <laughs> no, has a classic line. Get thee behind me, Satan. Right. Like, mm-hmm. can you imagine having the audacity to pull Jesus aside and say, hey, Jesus, I know you think you know what you're talking about. Right. But you're wrong. Oh, I've done that. Though. Yeah. We do that all the time. Right. Because <laughs> um, we think we know this truth. And the truth of the matter is, but Jesus never had those conversations unless there was some sort of relationship. So why, like, the youth gr- the youth groups are so important. It's like, part of them is to build relationship. We're going to be talking about these in the weeks to come. Like, you can't do that effectively outside of relationship. Mm-hmm. Like, it is of no value to you to say someone walking down the street, like, hey, you're a sinner, right? Like, how does that help whatsoever? It doesn't. Mm-hmm. Um in a really tangible way, this actually cropped up for one of for myself is we have I have a friend who kind of, for lack of a better word, was going astray. Right. Um, and one of my other friends who was kind of loosely associated with him, but had this like strong passion. Right. And it's good to have like a strong passion for calling out sin and, and for correction and for um, what's the word? I wouldn't say authenticity, but for um keeping people accountable right mm-hmm. Th- there is a there's a good thing in that but if you lacked tact and love like that's going to fall flat and mm. odds are you're going to push someone further away right oh, yeah and so like he had his moment and i was like oh no like we got a lot of backtracking to do right because there's like shame involved in that and shame will always push people further away from gospel truth right mm-hmm. and so that's why jesus never just calls anyone out and says hey you suck yeah. <laughs> like right. your boat is sinking Right. Like that doesn't happen. He always does it within a context of a relationship, even if it's a short one, like Jesus and the woman at the well doesn't last very long. Mm -hmm. But there's at least some sort of one on one relationship happening in that moment. And I think that's kind of the crucial part. Um, And what the success of everything that's going on will is hinged upon the fact that we do it in relationship, which is why these you groups are so important. Right. Like I can, you can't just stay up on a stage and say y'all suck and you need to repent. Like it happens in these one-on-one relationships, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I think that's absolute key. If you look at Jesus's ministry across the board, it's based on relationship. I mean, it's based on very close relationship uh, with the twelve, and um, you know, then them uh, uh, kind of having that relationship with the seventy-two, and like you know, just kind of how it how it flows out essentially. But yeah, I love that uh, that idea um, because I'm I'm big on that, right? Like I'm big on if you are uh, man, if you're dealing with anything, if you like whatever, you should be in relationship with someone so that they can speak truth to you and love to you and encourage you and uh, and build you up and you know. Um, uh, the Bible says like, uh, take on the burdens of one another and fulfill the law of Christ. Right? Like, so we, we have to do that and can only happen in relationship. Um, you know, I, I've seen many times the preacher on the corner, uh, with the sandwich board, essentially. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I actually haven't seen anybody in the Oak Grove yet, but I would, I would love to have a conversation with them. So yeah, no, I've seen that before. I saw that in, uh, downtown Fort Worth in Texas where I'm from. Um, there would always be this guy that stood on the edge of, uh, the corner of Sundance square and he would preach. If he saw somebody with a, uh, cigarette, did you know that just the way that your lungs 
lungs are burning right now. They're going to burn again in hell in all eternity. And I was like, oh. wow, bro. Okay. And he had like a bullhorn and everything. <laughs> and With um, a bullhorn. Yeah. And I saw that when I was really young and there was something inside of me that was just like, that's wrong. Like I didn't have any formal training, uh, Bible school, anything like that. But it's like, like, how would that make me feel? Would that really make me want to come to Jesus? <laughs> would that really like no. this scaring tactic is not going to work. Right. And that's not what Jesus used. Jesus didn't use a scare tactic um, to teach somebody love. So when we're in that relationship, then when we, when we have a relationship uh, with someone, um, you know, who's going through it or who is uh, living a life full of death or full of chaos. Like we talked about last night, what is a way practically um, that we can kind of love them through uh, the other side, essentially. I mean, um, Michael, you look like you're going to say something. So, yeah, I just wanted to quickly add before answering that question that part of the reason why our communication has become so toxic amongst each other is because social media gives us the perfect platform for making little declarations towards people with nearly zero personal investment. Mm -hmm. And this kind of leads into the question that you were asking about how do you help someone who you're in relationship with who's going through a chaotic time. And the answer to that is to root for the best inside of them to, to not be on their team as they are, but to be on the side of the best that's in them, that their, their best potential and to yeah, want to really genuinely good. want the best for people, because it's there are a lot of sort of blindly empathic people who really are using empathy as a mask to uh, allow others to stay in a chaotic environment because they don't want those people to succeed. Because if you surround yourself with people who are miserable and you're also miserable, you know, sort of mis misery loves company mm -hmm. sort of thing. So it's it's not obvious to me that the motives of everyone all the time are are genuinely wanting betterment for other people. So that's kind of the first step is you have to actually want betterment for other people. Then you have to have mm -hmm. the personal investment in them and you have to be okay with sitting there and saying, look, I, I'm, I'm not on the side of who you are right now. I'm on the side of who you could be. And that's how you carry them through and, and help them transcend their suffering. And it does take personal investment. I mean, we get caught up in like the numbers game, like, oh, I've, I've helped save X amount of people. But if you spend a lot of time with even just one person and you transform their, you help transform their life, there's a butterfly effect to that. And mm -hmm. it could fundamentally change the world. And I want to see less of our important communication happening through social media and only social media. Social media has its place. Okay. Like you can, you can use it for, for good. Certainly it's not all bad, but if we, if we remove these important conversations from the one-to-one -one relationships and the high amount of personal investment, and we leave them only on social media, then we fall into that trap of it being too easy to make empty declar or make uh, declarations that are void of high personal investment. And, you mm -hmm. know, people are much more willing to listen to you if they think that you care about them. I mean, it's right there in 1 Corinthians 13. If I speak uh, in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I'm a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal, mm -hmm. right? So we need to have that personal investment. And you can think of think of this, this as sort of like a pendulum between truth and love. And I think that, like you said earlier, Kendall, that the church has done has gone heavy towards truth in the past and that sort of turn and burn mentality, turn or burn mentality. But, th but lately I think we've swung way too far over towards the, uh, towards mistaking love for just pure empathy mm -hmm. and love right. is not pure em empathy. Right. And so that's kind of my, my thoughts on that. Yeah, no, that's good. I think that saying like, you know, being, uh, 
I am not naturally an empathetic person. Uh, it is very <laughs> difficult. I come from a family. You could have fooled like, me. <laughs> I wish we had your wife here. To ask. Yeah. Well, no, <laughs> she would tell you for sure. Um, like that is something that uh, I've been trying to work on a lot and I'm really bad at it. Cause I'm mm. like, you know, suck it up, man. Like, <laughs> so I don't know, like that's just the way that, uh, that, uh, I was raised. And so it's difficult for me to do that, but it's such a key. Um, but it can't be the only key, right? Like it can't be the only thing. Um, so we have to have that, that empathy of like, man, I see you, I see your hurt. I see your pain. However, uh, there's something greater. There is something more. And we want to call you to that. I think about um, one of my favorite stories in all the Bible, Jesus with the uh, adulterous woman. And I might have even mentioned it last uh, episode too, because uh, it's like one of my favorite gospel stories uh, in John 8. And um, what Jesus says is that, I, you know, where are your accusers? Uh, she says, nowhere. And he says, yeah, I don't accuse you either. And then he says, but go and sin no more. Yeah. Like, so he, he even says, I can see that there is purity in you. Mm -hmm. I can see that there is righteousness in you. Yeah. So go and live that life. Cause I'm not accusing you here. I see your hurt. I see your pain. I see where you're at. I see your struggle, but you don't have to live there. You don't have to live in that place. And I think that's kind of that, um, you know, that, uh, nice balance that perfect balance of what truth and grace is right mm -hmm. and that's and that's what people particularly young people really need to hear that i mean so for instance the cdc released a report i think about a month ago saying that 25 percent of young people between 18 and 24 contemplated suicide during the pandemic yeah. that's a huge number of people and so if you're going to look at those people and say you're perfect just the way you are. What you're doing is you're removing hope from them because they know that their life is difficult and that yeah. they're not, that they're miserable. That's why they're contemplating suicide. Right. And if you tell them, oh, well, you've arrived. This is, this is the best it's going to be for you. There's <laughs> nothing better than this. Like, what are they supposed to do with that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, I think I like the word that you use, Michael. I like the like butterfly effect that you use, the delivery and like how you speak. This is so crucial. And I just want to open up a question because I'm I'm 23 years old and I'm thinking about my life and my personal relationships with people. And let's say you are at the point where you're speaking truth to those friends, right? You're like, listen, I love you, but I'm seeing this. And, you know, this is like God's calling you to something better right now. And you have that conversation like again, and then you have it again and then you keep seeing it. And I guess I'm just opening it up from any of your point of views, like when... What what do you do with a friendship when it gets to the point or any any uh, relationship for that matter, when it gets to the point where you feel like um, they're not making any progress and you don't want to like beat a dead horse? Yeah. Um, so how do you how do you go forward with that? So I'm going to say two things that are completely contradictory and perfect. I think the truth is somewhere <laughs> in the Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So, and, and this is something that I've been wrestling with because like you, yeah. I mean, you said you're a highly like empathetic person. Mm -hmm. You're a shepherd. I'm the exact same, which mm -hmm. I think is why I do what I do. Um, and I'm not a possibly in any, like I'm not a punch in the gut kind of person. Yeah. No, me neither. Yeah. Um, and the truth of the matter is, and this is something I've been wrestling with a lot because I don't think the American church in particular gets this. Being a Christian means you are going to get bit in the butt time and time again. Absolutely. Right. We follow a God who got bit in the butt and it led him to his death. Right. Where he mm -hmm. said, I'm going to love people so much and it ended up resulting in his death. So that's one end of the spectrum. Mm -hmm. So it's like, OK, are you dead yet? 
no okay maybe we've got more to do then right yeah um so that's the one far side of the spectrum the other far side of the spectrum is like you can't you know that's what we aspire to as christians because we're always trying to be more like christ Mm -hmm. and if christ is willing to give up his life for someone else theoretically we should too but as far as i can tell i'm not part divine either um i'm not christ yet so in in the human nature part of it's like okay how do i keep myself from getting sucked down into that mess right right because i don't have i'm not there yet right and Mm -hmm. and there are christians that i think are that can can day in and day out years on years on years on years on years um be able to be bit in the butt time and time again as they're trying to help a friend right Mm -hmm. Um, but i'm not there yet and so where's the that middle ground to say like you know i'm i'm willing to die for you so to speak Mm -hmm. And on the other hand, like, I can't let my life get sucked down into this because I'm not there yet. And I think part of it is, like, the American church doesn't want to get bit in the butt at all. Like, I don't know why, but it doesn't seem like Mm -hmm. we have a high value of letting ourselves get hurt for our faith. Right. right? Or a capacity to deal with it well, you know. Right. Um, Or on the other side of the spectrum, we either go way too gung-ho and get sucked down into the mess that other people's lives have. Right. And so the truth, I think, is somewhere in the middle. And I don't know what that is because I wrestle with that all the time. Like I've, Mm -hmm. you know, church members of mine who come to me with their stuff and it's like, okay, I'm here for you and I want to listen um, and Mm -hmm. I want to help you. But if you keep doing it, where is my position to that say, like, I I just can't anymore. Right. I want to, but I don't have the capacity Mm -hmm. to do this anymore. And I am not that in tune with God yet in my maturity in Christ to be able to handle this in the way that Christ would. Right. Yeah. And I think we have to realize that because to say you um, are able to do that day in and day out, I think has a little bit of uh, egotism or mm. hu- hubris, so to speak to mm-hmm. it. It's like, I, you know what? I'm just like Jesus. It's like, okay, that's a bold claim. <laughs> Big mood right there. I don't know, but I'm not there yet. And so having like the, the, the faith to say, I can't handle this. God, you need to take care of this right. and find someone for this yeah, person. Yeah, that's the key right there. So like we talked about uh, just a while ago, you know, fulfilling the law of Christ is to take on one another's burdens. However, uh, we can't bear that burden alone, right? Um, we have to be able to um, give it to Christ, you know, that uh, we have to lay down our burdens. Like when we pick up someone else's burdens, we're still laying down ours and theirs at the feet of Jesus. Um, and that's one of the biggest things I think that we have to do um, whenever we are taking on. When I was early on in pastoring, I, I talked to my mentor and I was like, dude, I just feel depressed and like angry. And I feel like, what is going on? Like, I don't, I, I don't have anything going on in my life like that. Like, why am I feeling this way? And he finally explained to me, you're taking on the burdens of the youth group that you're leading right now. So every kid that you talk to who's going through a struggle and you're trying to carry, like you're trying to carry that thing alone and you can't do that. Um, so that's, that's one thing I think that's awesome. Yeah, absolutely. Like pick up their burden, but also lay it down at the feet of Jesus uh, and ask him for, uh, ask him for wisdom on this. I think another thing that we can do is uh, it's okay to remove ourselves for, for a little bit of time. Um, it's okay to remove ourselves from a situation for a relationship, uh, physically, but maybe not spiritually. Right. So like we continue to pray for them. We continue to contend for them in, in the, in the spiritual realm. However, I think there's a time that we can step away and uh, I, this might be a far stretch for me. Uh, so if I'm wrong, then tell me, um, but we will. uh, (laughs) Thank you. So one of the things I I was thinking about, uh, was about Peter, right? Uh, I mean, he is like the, you know, he's the 
and the main character outside of Jesus in the Gospels, right? I mean, because he puts better he, and for worse. Yes, he yeah. forces himself into the narrative. <laughs> and <laughs> so, um, you know, one of the things that happens with Peter is you just said, like, uh, he said, "Hey, Jesus, you can't go to uh, to the cross. Like, that's ridiculous." And then he says, "Get behind me, Satan!" And then later on, Peter gets himself in trouble again. He's like, "I will never abandon you, Jesus. Like, wash my whole body, and I'm never gonna don't. I don't even care if I die. Like, I'm coming." with you like all these other fools are going to reject you but i'm going to be with you and then six hours later he's cussing out a little girl and telling her that he doesn't know jesus and what's crazy about this story though is is we we um this is this is something that's missed a lot of times it's so small is is it says that jesus looked at peter Mm -hmm. in that moment peter was still in close proximity with jesus in that moment peter uh peter and jesus essentially locked eyes after the third time that peter uh denied jesus and the rooster crowed and they locked eyes and i truly believe that there was a there was a there was a sense of compassion in jesus's eyes of not i told you so but oh peter like Peter, I'm still praying for you. I'm I'm going to the cross for you right now. Um, and I think that Peter felt that, right? And so we see continually, or we see through the throughout the Gospels, um, you know, Jesus uh, died and is resurrected, and um, Peter isn't in, you know, is isn't really around to to see Jesus. Um, and, and and Jesus comes to uh, Peter um, and his brothers on the boat, right? Um, or his other disciples on the boat, and uh, essentially is making um, fish for them. And he says, "Hey, y'all, come up here. Like, come and talk to me. Come and have some breakfast mm-hmm. with me, right?" And in that moment, yeah. uh, Jesus. Ask Peter, do you love me? Yeah. Do you love me? Three times. And so here's 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 the picture that I'm trying to paint here, right? Jesus removed himself. I mean, obviously, he went to the cross, but he removed himself. He already knew he was going to be removed from Peter's life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He knew some things that were going to need to happen in Peter's own mind that he was left with grieving the loss of Jesus, grieving the loss of a friend, grieving the loss of a leader. Um, He knew that there was going to need to be some loss in Peter's life for him to really fully accept, wow, man, maybe I'm not all that I thought I was, was cracked up to be. Maybe I'm not, you know, uh, Peter, the rock right now, you know, maybe I need something else to help me to stay the rock. Like, you know, he had a time to con- to contemplate where he was in his life. Mm. And then we see Jesus reenter into Peter's life. And when he says, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? Feed my sheep, like feed my people, love my people. And um, we see that. And so I think that from that picture, we can see it's okay to remove for a time Mm-hmm. still contend in the spiritual because there is no other, uh, there is no other larger contention than literally going to the cross, uh, going to hell, fighting the devil for the keys of sin in the grave and then coming back to life. Um, so, uh, you know, he, Jesus was fighting for Peter spiritually in that moment, just as for the whole world. And he came back and said, look, I still love you. I still mm-hmm. care for you. Do you love me? Like, can we, can we, can we continue to work together? Can we continue to move in the same direction? And so I think that's a really good picture of like having to remove yourself, mm-hmm. but yet not forgetting that person, not forgetting their struggles, but taking them to the foot of the cross. So, yeah, I think that period of removal is also important for our sakes because we are not Jesus. So like they, you know, the opposing party needs Needs that time to be like Peter and sit in that like, okay, what's going on? And then also we are not fully human and fully divine. So like 
I struggle to remove myself from yeah. situations like that as a shepherd. But like the compromising factor in that is that I can get sucked down in it with them or like yeah. try to to shoulder it myself. So like this is good, guys. I'm, 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 I'm sitting here like this podcast is for the people. But I'm like, this is good. <laughs> like I, I need to be thinking about those periods of removal, like yeah. whether or not they're necessary for myself or for the other person, you know, because I, I tend to like hook on and hang on and then get burnt mm. the heck out. Right. And I think I think that we should honestly, to some degree, be aiming for progressive removal from a person's life. So you don't want to be you don't want to have people on training wheels forever. Right. And so yeah. mm -hmm. I think that as pastors, as leaders, as shepherds, we have to resist the very human temptation of wanting to feel needed by people. Mm -hmm. And if you surround yourself with people who are ill-equipped to deal with the suffering and the chaos of life, they will need you all the time and it can start to feel pretty good. Not even as, not even as pastors, but just as human beings, right? Like we want to feel that as human beings. Yeah. And so as we, as we work and as we do things, we should be aiming towards equipping people to deal with things on their own because then they will be able to help others mm -hmm. deal with things on their own because they'll have learned how to do it. Jesus trained his disciples and then he sent them out. And so I think that as yeah. the church, we should be, we shouldn't be aiming towards this uh, sort of cult of personality, you know, people coming back every weekend, needing us, needing us, needing mm -hmm. what we provide them in the form of emotions or feel good yeah, or whatever yeah. it is. Um, we should be training them and we should be happy to see them go out into the world and train others and, mm -hmm. and aim towards that. Right, because Absolutely. if they're stuck, you know, depending on us, that's doing them harm, right? Instead of good. It's being like a helicopter and, you know, you, parent. And, and, you can, yeah. right, and you can convince yourself that you're doing good because like, I see them every week and I'm preaching them the gospel. And it's like, okay, that might be true, but you also might be enabling, right? And, and that's a problematic thing in itself. Within my own tradition, there's three rules that, you know, we kind of, try to live by as best as possible. And they're pretty simple. It's do no harm. Rule number one. Rule number two, do all the good you can. And number three is stay in love with God, basically. Mm -hmm. um, and, and that doing no harm is not enabling people, right? Mm -hmm. And doing all the good you can is somehow while not enabling people and their own problems, speak truth and love people, right? And I'm not perfect at that. I'm bad at that most of the time. <laughs> the um, but how you get better is by staying in love with God or the old version of it was loving God and, and, and dealing with his ordinances, right? Mm -hmm. um, and this is what we were talking about, like unity with God starts that right you can't do any harm you can't do no harm i know that's grammatically not correct but um you can't, <laughs> you do, can't no do no harm, harm and you can't do any good unless you stay in love with god right? right because you are going to harm people um because they're dependent on you and not god and you're never going to do anything good because we can't do anything good mm -hmm. outside of the holy spirit working in our lives because we're set all of our inclinations are bent towards evil right without that holy spirit yeah. and so like knowing that ahead of time um, and doing everything in your own time to, you know, as you were saying, contend at the cross, like first every day, like light the fire of the Holy Spirit in your life. Like the, the priests of the old time in the Old Testament would wake up every morning and start the fire at the altar because they knew that the fire of the altar of God was, go was going to sustain them. And we need to be doing that in order to be able to do these mm -hmm. other things. Absolutely. In, um, in Colossians three seventeen, at the very end, it says every single thing you do. In word or in deed, every everything that you say, everything that you do, let it be with Jesus. Let it be as unto Jesus, right? And so that's something that we've got to live by. Uh, when we read Colossians 3, 1 through 17, the context is Jesus. If you enjoy this podcast. 
please rate it on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to it. You can follow the MHB Podcast on Facebook or Twitter, at MHB Podcast. Tell your friends about it and share it on social media. If you'd like email notifications of new episodes or if you'd like to support my work directly, please consider becoming a paid subscriber on my website at mhbpodcast.com. This work is made possible by listener support, so your generosity is greatly appreciated. Thank you all for joining me, and I will see you in the next episode.